My first day of school had gone by in a haze of introductions, trying to remember where to sit and enduring the stares and whispers that come with being the new girl in the school. Having faced a phantom in the wee hours of the morning made these normally daunting circumstances feel trivial. Perspective is a hell of a thing. I was looking in every window I passed, fearful that the taunt and terrifying face of the entity would be leering back at me, the skeletal finger scratching as if to beckon me near. My dad had engaged in little small talk on the way to drop me and my siblings off, and I didn't talk anymore about what I had seen for fear of upsetting my little sister again. I wanted so badly to talk about it, to not feel so alone in what I'd seen, to be comforted and held and told that it was all a dream and nothing could hurt me. Of course, my parents had said all of these things after finding me lying on the kitchen floor, staring intently at the window. They had reminded me about sleepwalking and my night terrors, and all those things had made sense until I had discovered that the pencils I thought I had dropped in a dream in reaction to the sudden scratching sound coming from the playroom had indeed been scattered on the floor after returning to the dining room for breakfast. If it was all a dream, then why would my pencils be on the floor? I wanted to ask my parents, but daddy's warning about sharing this with others would ring in my ears. My little sister followed me nearly everywhere so it was hard to talk to Mama or Daddy without her overhearing, and I surely didn't want to scare her again. I didn't have any friends at the new school, and I certainly didn't want to talk about something like this with people I didn't know. This experience was actually my first true interaction with what I've referred to as the hush-ups. Hush-ups are any topic that would warrant an immediate hush-up or hush-now from an adult. Topics like ghosts, scary stories, saying Rick Pitino wasn't a good Kentucky basketball coach. Those were all things that would get a hush-up directed at you from a grown-up. The fact that my daddy seemed concerned when he had given me his advice earlier that morning also played a role in my decision to try and deal with this on my own. This was the first time he had ever asked me not to talk about something, and I felt that made it very serious. Once it was time to head home, I was so apprehensive I accidentally bit my tongue from clenching my teeth so tight. Mama was the one picking us up, and she was her usual warm and cheerful self. She didn't mention the fact that I had woken her up screaming, and I didn't ask if she believed me. Southerners have a way of not talking about things like this. I remember hearing some folks at my parents' church say you give power to something if you speak about it. It was better to go on about your business and ignore anything that might invite trouble. The only problem with that is it leaves the person, oftentimes children, feeling very isolated, confused, and vulnerable, and I was no different. I was beginning to understand what E.T. felt hanging out with those kids, surrounded by people but no one who could understand you. I digress. Once we pulled up the steep driveway to the house, I could feel sweat breaking on my brow. This was it. Time to face whatever was in the house. I was glancing around nervously, half expecting something to erupt from the tree line and take us all out before we made it inside. 
but nothing happened. The sun was shining and the ominous, otherworldly feeling of the morning was replaced with the hollow hum of wrongness that I had felt emanating off of the house since the day we arrived. Mama noticed me walking slowly up the steps and looking around like a hen about to enter a fox's den. Oh, hey, Tina, want to hang back for a minute? wanted to show you something I picked up today for your sister's birthday next month. I almost forgot. She waved me back towards the car and walked towards the trunk. My sister immediately burst out with, I want to see it. It's for my birthday. Exactly, Molly, which is why your keister is going to head in the house or you ain't going to get what's in here. You know the deal. You see it before and you don't get it. No sneaky snakes allowed. My sister, already sassy at the tender age of five, jutted out her bottom lip and threw one hand on her hip. Well, sissy don't need to see it neither. That's for me to decide, little miss. Now get on in the house and don't make me count to three. With the threat of the dreaded three countdown, she was off, albeit slowly as if hoping mama would forget she was there and open the trunk. A little faster there, Molly. I don't reckon your leg is broke inside now. Knowing she had pushed it far enough, she went into the house, allowing the door to shut just hard enough to make a point, but not hard enough to get in trouble for slamming it behind her. The little exchange between my mom and sister seemed so normal, I had almost forgotten about where I was. The hillside didn't seem so creepy today. The sun was out and there were birds in the trees, great blackbirds that cawed and squawked loudly around the rotten, fallen fruit on the ground in the orchard. The sound, albeit a little racious, was comforting because there was life besides that of my family on this hillside. The sound grew louder and I noticed several more blackbirds flying in to settle in the orchard, probably around 30 of them. At some point, my mama had walked slowly up to join me as I watched the crows, the comfort I had felt initially wanting. They're called a murder, mama said as she knelt down beside me on the front step. A what? This startled me as I hadn't heard her approach, and I started to stumble forward to the cement car patio, but she caught me easily and steadied me before saying, maybe take a seat, Tina. You're a little on the wobbly side today. I sat and said, you said those birds are called a murder? She smiled and said, together that's what they're called. Those are crows. She looked on as several more joined the ones already standing and feasting in the orchard. Wow, I don't think I've ever seen that many together in one spot before. There were probably 40 or 50 of them now, cawing and hopping on the ground, filling their beaks with the remnants of rotted pears and apples. The sound they were making was getting louder, and they appeared more animated, hopping and fighting for their share of the prized find. They must be really hard up to want to eat that rotten fruit so bad, I said, unsure how the spoiled food would give them the nourishment they needed to survive the unfolding winter months. Crows are scavengers. They'll eat just about anything that won't eat them first, Mama said. Not wanting to think about it, I said, what did you want to show me? She turned towards me and appeared a little disoriented, having been focused on the crows for so long. 
Oh, no. I just thought you might want to talk for a minute without your sister around. Well, kind of I guess I wasn't going to get any acting awards in the near future. I sighed, resigned that I was going to have to relive some of what happened that morning. I really did see something in the window this morning, Mama. And it looked dried up like that old fruit. It looked right at me and was scratching along the walls and then was suddenly outside. My mama was looking at me calmly and pulled me close. That sounds pretty scary. I nodded, waiting to hear that I was dreaming, expecting her to once again reassure me that what I'd seen couldn't be real. She didn't disappoint. I have bad dreams myself sometimes. They seem so real that I jump out of bed and nearly scare your daddy to death. Just the other day, I dreamed a spider was on my pillow and nearly flipped him out of the bed looking for it before I realized it was a dream. I looked up at her, but she was looking at the crows again as she spoke. Dreams can be very, very scary and can also seem very real, Tina. Add in sleepwalking, and I can only imagine how confusing and scary that is. I exhaled, ready to defend myself, but Mama kept speaking. I also know that I don't know everything. You haven't been yourself since we got here. I know this move was hard on you, and Mama being sick makes things ten times harder. She squeezed my hand all while still looking at the crows. My job as your mommy is to protect you against anything and everything. You haven't been yourself since you got here. You don't play with your sister half as much, and there are sometimes it seems like you're being her second mama instead of her big sister. I don't know what you're feeling or seeing, Tina, but I can promise you, I will never let anything hurt you or anyone else in this house. Do you believe that? I nodded solemnly. My mama was fiercely protective, and that was something I never doubted. I need you to believe that I can take care of you all, and you can talk to me about anything. I might not understand it or see what you see, but you can talk to me, okay? I nodded again. I know, Mama. The dream of my grandmother turning to dust flashed through my mind, and the fear of my mama's face haunted me once more. I knew I could tell her anything, but would I? I don't think so. I never wanted to see her that upset ever again. Good. Now how's about we go in and get supper started? You can help me stir up the mashed potatoes. As we went to stand, I noticed that the hillside was deathly quiet. The calls of the crows having completely stopped. I looked to the orchard to see the entire murder staring in our direction, but not making one sound. Well, that's odd, my mom said as she stood up beside me. She pulled me up as well and said, I'm going to pick you up, okay, Tina? She spoke in a hushed tone as if speaking in her normal voice might disrupt the birds watching us. I nodded, and as she lifted and walked us to the front door, I never let my eyes leave the birds. As soon as she put her hands on the front door, they all lifted to the sky, calling loudly and flying over the top of our house. My mom nearly dropped me as the sound caught her off guard and she stumbled through the door and sat me down while leaning on one of the kitchen cupboards. What the heck was that about? She shouted, clearly startled. 
She didn't wait for an answer before shutting the door behind us, muffling the calls of the crows as they flew past the house. She didn't wait for an answer either before kicking her shoes off and getting to work with putting dinner together and pulling out the pots and pans. I never did care much for birds, she said. I stood there watching her, happy that the door was closed, but on edge because I had noticed that the birds hadn't begun watching us until we stood to enter the house. At the time, I had no idea that birds, particularly crows, can be considered portents of bad omens. There are some cultures that believe crows are spies for the underworld, and in Greek mythology it was thought that the mighty god Zeus used them as his heralds and spies. Thinking back, the idea of them being spies seemed to fit with the unsettled feeling they gave me. They hadn't moved until my mama had touched the front door. What did they know that we didn't? Were they rushing to share with whatever had been creeping around the house this morning that we were back? I shuddered to think of all those black eyes staring at us in unison and erupting in flight and leaving once we entered the house. I never cared much for birds either and still don't. But in that moment, I wish that I could fly from this house too. Creeps, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I know there are literally thousands to choose from and it makes my spooky little heart happy that you took the time to listen to my story. Of course, I am sharing my personal experience of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky, but I also really enjoy having the opportunity to continue the Appalachian tradition of oral storytelling. It sure would mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to get my story to your ears. You can also find find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram. My hope is to use those social media outlets as a way to connect with folks who not only like the show, but have their own experiences with the paranormal to share. You are also welcome to catch me on a podcast I co-host called Beyond the Paranormal Podcast, which is an interview-based show where my friends John, Ree, and I talk to a plethora of folks in the paranormal community on Facebook Live every Tuesday. Until next time, friends, keep it creepy, and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.